Our food focus this morning is all about the egg. And uh, I don't know about you, but I go to the supermarket. I see the choice on the shelves. You've got your organic. You've got your barn fed. You've got omega-3, high in omega-3s. So much to choose from. And you're even telling me, Mark, just before there's even blue eggs in the UK. Yeah, I mean, there's a big movement back in the UK to go back towards old school uh, breeds of hens and uh, traditional eggs. So... There's a big movement in locally sourced ingredients so that they actually come from the local farmers direct into the supermarkets and also into local shops so that they can identify new breeds and old breeds and bring back tradition and the cooking values. So from your hen that we know, that I know, to your duck eggs, there's even ostrich eggs, quail eggs, there's so much to choose from. What kind of eggs do you like, Dima? The classic. Uh, the classic egg is is the one I go for all the time. However, when I want to be a little bit fancy or I want to be more creative in my food, um, I I love quail eggs. I think they look very dainty and nice when prepared and put on a plate. But I'm very, very, very interested to hear the story about the ostrich egg. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, every week we uh, get our panel of guests to choose a new story. And one of our stories this morning is about ostrich eggs that are being served up in the UK. Uh, So we look forward to sharing that story with you. And as always on the Thursday brunch, we have our mystery ingredient. Keeper of the clues, both Mark and Dima, are going to be sharing clues with you. And, of course, we have our food fantasy. So we'll be hearing from our guests what they uh, fantasize when it comes to food. What is their food fantasy? And getting you involved in the conversation. What's your choice of egg? Uh, Are you confused about eggs and what you should be buying? Things like, you know, shelf life. uh, How long and where do you store your eggs? Food news. So let's get into our news stories. I'm going to save the egg story for a moment. Um, We'll start with the story that I picked up on now. The agenda we're talking about this earlier in the week, we touched on it on the Tuesday health show on Dubai today, but there's a bit more to this story moving on. Now, this is about Jamie Oliver, the chef, and he's calling for, in the UK, a 20% tax on sugary drinks. The rise in obesity in Britain and across the globe and the concern of where and how sugar is used in food and particularly looking at sugary drinks and the amount of sugar that you get in your sodas, in your uh, in those um, soft drinks. And people, young people, old people, I mean, I was back in the UK recently, I have to say, amazes me how many people are drinking all these drinks and, and eating all these foods. We do it here in the UAE as well. But you think, oh, Oh, we're really unhealthy here. I think we're pretty much aligned with the rest of the, the globe when it comes to the con- the consuming of uh, fast food, sweet things, and picking up that drink, perhaps not thinking about how much or realising even how much sugar is contained within them. Before I share more on this, your thoughts on soft drinks, sodas, does it concern you? What do you think about this, Mark? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge thing. I've got two young boys and you know they've grown up surrounded by all these type of things in the UK and I think it's the hidden calories that's the real issue it's the fact that you're consuming something we all need liquid i.e. water refreshments we always encourage people to drink and hydrate uh, as not only a health thing but also you know even in schools these days it's about being good for education it's about being lively and healthy so when you see the sort of sugar content of some of these drinks it's quite frightening 
you know, a can of some of these drinks can have up to eight to ten teaspoons and some of the top brands even more. So I think, again, you could argue it comes down to education. It comes down to people knowing what they're putting into their bodies at every age and parents, again, addressing what their children are doing to a point. But it's quite scary that people can just consume them at will, really. Mm. I completely agree with you, Mark. I mean, I'm a mother, of course, and, you know, um, here's a story. So basically they're off. And because they're off, they keep coming and telling me, because we are off school and it's a special occasion, can we have a soda? Because I don't, like, normally let my kids have these things. I'm worried about the chemicals and all the additives and preservatives and the sugar content. So, you know, sometimes you want to you wanna keep the balance. And I told them, you know what? Okay, let's just have some sodas with ice. And, and, and we went for the most typical. And that day, I could not contain these two. They were all over the place. And I would say that it's because their bodies are not used to it. So that's when you can see the adverse effects that these things actually have on people. Mm. Well, we had uh, Dr. Heather Ede on the show on Tuesday, and uh, she's a naturopathic practitioner here. And she said, you know, if you're looking at the nutritional value, there is zero, zero nutritional value in a fizzy drink, in a soda, soft drink. It is what she calls it, chemical in a can. Oh, sugar bomb. Oh, sugar bomb, (laughs) yeah. And there's more negative nutritional value, which is the stuff that actually harm you and take away from the nutrients that are in your body. Mm. Did you know it actually sucks up calcium from Mm. your body, for instance? That's right. Yes, it's a good point. So it's terrible all round. Well, uh, yeah, well, Jamie Oliver's, he's there in the UK uh, calling for attacks on sugary drinks and uh, really to tackle the obesity problem. And now the story's moved on, and this is coming out from yesterday. Uh, doctors, medical professionals in the UK are coming forward and speaking out and backing him and the campaign. And you know, Suzanne, the thing is, because we are getting used to this much sugar, we're no longer content with the fresh uh, fruits. We're no longer content with freshly squeezed uh, juices, which actually are good for us, and we don't need this much sugar. Our palates are being ruined. And I think it doesn't help also. I mean, there's the size of some of the containers that some of the fast food operators, you know, 10 ounce, 15 ounce, 16 ounce. I mean, they're just absolutely ginormous and and children just kind of put the the straw in the mouth and they suck away and they don't understand that you know their actions and the the long-term effect not only on the health but you know on the teeth and all the other things that are attributed to that high level of sugar we'll start with our first guess the ingredient so keeper of the clues who would like to go first and share our clues to our mystery ingredient dima so today's mystery ingredient is a perennial thistle uh, that originated in the Mediterranean. It's known as ankinara in Greek. Uh, the ancient Greeks and the Romans advocated for its medicinal and health benefiting qualities. We were just talking there about Jamie Oliver's campaign in the UK to put a tax on sugary drinks and uh, one of our listeners texted in to say for my children I keep it natural I make a natural syrup at home I use strawberry and freshly spring green pine and just siphon it and it's there we love it and the pine syrup is also good for the respiratory tract. This is so interesting. I mean, look, you see, you, you take away stuff that are produced and finished and people start becoming creative. Like, I would have never thought of that, honestly. It's wonderful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you just make it fizzy for yourself at home, but keeping all the ingredients natural. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's such an easy thing to do if you put your mind to it i think you know like a lot of these things and it's about actually giving the choice and using fresh natural products that are all there available in the UAE. Yeah. Uh, one of the things to consider with sugary drinks is that more and more people are turning to juicing as a way of, you know, getting refreshment and for children, you know, and it's a way of them getting their five a day. And it is a good thing. It definitely is a good thing. I love to juice and to get, you're getting nutrients directly into your body, but you do have to remember there's sugar content. Yeah. I mean, the, the sugar thing is, um, is again, how you manage these things. I mean, if you add some uh, cucumber you get the nice water and juice flavors coming through but just be careful on the high acidic things like obviously oranges and your citric fruits because again they can have a huge impact on the enamel on your teeth and also on how your body metabolizes it as well so again have a good balance like anything in life you know balance the fruits across with some vegetables in there to give an overall range of vitamins and antioxidants mm, and flavored waters Right, right. And, you know, to get the children involved, you know, chopping up the cucumbers, putting it in ice water, uh, strawberries, you know, all of those things to go into water can be quite fun and so refreshing and hydrating. Exactly. I think I think there's so much that we can do and we don't really need to fuss too much. I mean, nature has provided it in its perfect shape. There is a reason why there's fiber inside the fruit. So if you want to juice, balance that out with one that you actually crunch on. So the fibers balance out the sugars. Yeah. Wonderful. And the other thing is with the with the juices, you talk about the kids having a bit of fun, you know, put them in molds and freeze them. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Especially with yeah. the weather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Have your own nice ice cubes. Popsicles. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Food news. Okay, our next news story. Well, uh, this is an interesting one because our food focus this morning is about eggs and understanding the choice on the shelves, what to buy, any concerns around eggs. But you chose, Marker, a story from the UK regarding yeah. ostrich eggs. Yeah, there's a restaurant in the UK that is uh, put on its menu for breakfast an ostrich egg. Uh, you do have to order it a couple of days in advance. But, uh, it <laughs> does, does it take wait. that long for the ostrich to lay it? I think it's a catchy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it's 1.4 kilos in weight 1.4 kilos yeah. so it's 24 times the amount of egg that's in a regular hen's egg um and you know it's um uh, they'll they will cook it any way you like if you want it fried or scrambled or poached uh, and they'll charge you 320 dirhams for the privilege <laughs> What would you do with that, Dima? It's an excellent brunch option. Mm. So it feeds too many people and you don't have to really work lots. And I'd perhaps open a bakery. <laughs> 1.5k of eggs. Yeah. But, you know, I have to say, maybe now is a good time because right now they've just um, changed the facts and said that you can have as many eggs as you want. Yeah. They're not actually bad for you like was believed before. But there was concerns before about cholesterol and eating too many eggs. You could eat eggs, but be aware. But now they're saying, don't worry about it. And also the whole sort of yolk v egg white argument and conflict. I just don't worry about that. I think go for the yolk, go for the full egg. Yeah, it's it's a it's a full meal, the egg. Right. So it's good for you. It's got everything you need, really, nutritionally. And of course, one of the things about most eggs these days is we have the omega-3 benefit for a healthy heart because actually if you feed the the chickens and the hens on omega rich things like flaxseed and and products like that Mm. and sunflower oils they actually uh they metabolize it within the egg so that actually when it goes into the human body we can 
digest it easier and, and better than we could just normal flaxseed. So it's a good way of us getting the right nutrition through the omega-3 into our own bodies. Mm, that is interesting. Yeah, really. Yeah. And I was reading earlier that, um, you know, hens actually are not necessarily um, omnivores. Oh, veg, sorry, you know, that they will eat meat. You know, they, they are carnivores, which I don't know if we realise. I used to keep bantam hens years ago mm. when I lived in the UK in a little village in my cottage garden. And the bantam eggs were wonderful. You know, little eggs, fresh as, beautiful. Um, it, it never crossed my mind to give them anything else other than, you know, the grain fed or let them eat the grass in the garden. Did you know that, Mark? Yeah, I mean, again, they kind of... A good a good hen that's free range or organic um, is allowed to go out in the grass and the fields and sort of rut about and eat what's there naturally. So, again, I would say it's it's things like worms and it's 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 aphids and flies and things like that. Yeah, so of course. Of course, there's a whole blend of of creatures within that without going into too much detail. <laughs> but it's a protein at the end of the day that they eat and they they transfer into obviously what is a brilliant natural form of protein which is eggs and then we eat those so it's just realizing that where it all starts from and what the process is and what we are consuming and what we're putting into our body mm -hmm. well we'll get into more on eggs in a little while and a bit more detail and depth about understanding the labels and understanding what we're buying when we see things like organic or we see you know barn fed or you know free range what are the differences and are there does it really make a difference to our experience but is it really making a difference to the hen as well and how they're being reared um your story Dima so I'm just going to move a little bit from the eggs although it is in a way connected so you know I've been lately I've been reading a lot about this whole um, technology about face recognition and it's becoming huge and there's a huge debate whether or not um, we need such technology whether or not um, it is um, an invasion of privacy and but to tie it to our topic today so I was reading something saying that one of the trends to expect food wise is restaurants will be using apps that do face recognition where not only do you get to order your meal before you get to a restaurant or a bar but you also don't have to um, go to to the bar to actually get your order because face recognition apps and everything will allow them to recognize where you are exactly, bring you your order. And they're saying that this way, uh, the wait period will be less. And, you, and sometimes when a place is crowded, you don't have to push through the crowds and stuff like this. Furthermore, for the social scene, um, face recognition apps will allow you to recognize who is where so you can pick your place according to the most popular mm -hmm. and then so so basically we are pushing the whole um, how connected are we and how connected do we really need to be um, do I want the whole world to know where I'm hanging out this evening and uh, with my family say and friends and um, is it really an invasion of privacy to me it all sounds like too much George Orwell mm. to me yeah what do you think about this having that uh, face recognition when you go into a restaurant and you're making your order uh, it's supposed to cut down time because I'm thinking why can't people just find you with a number like we usually do uh, is it something you'd welcome do you think it's fun do you think it's going to be practical do you think it's useful guess the ingredient so clue number two to our mystery ingredient, and Mr. Mark is going to deliver your clue. So this ingredient grows up to 1.5 to 2 metres tall, with arching, deeply lobed, 
silver green leaves. If left alone, beautiful light pink or purple flowers develop, forming a large head from the edible buds. The bud is composed of compactly arranged triangular scales and looks a bit like a bouquet. I actually, as a young chef, sat on a beach outside a kitchen in uh, Crete, peeling these products ready to poach and serve in the restaurant. How lovely. (laughs) Yes, you spent some time in Greece, didn't you, working as a chef? Yeah, Agios Nikolaios. Um, Many years ago, I don't really want to say how long ago, but (laughs) they weren't in the EU then, (laughs) so it was a few years back. uh, Yeah, it was a fantastic experience, and, um, you know, working with local Greek, Cretan, and Cypriot chefs, and um, learning about cooking things like Kleftiko and Tavar, and funnily enough, Favigol, uh, Lemoni, which is a, a lemon and egg soup, which is a very classical uh, Greek dish. We are looking at, in a little while, our food focus on uh, where our eggs come from. And uh, joining me at table, we have Chef Dima Sharif, who brings her wonderful experience. And uh, your roots and heritage, uh, you know, that Palestinian, Jordanian, that's your kind of root. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm Palestinian. I grew up in Jordan. And um, that area to me is just wonderful. I feel that um, there's a lot of spots on earth that have been described like greatly. And some areas, I don't know whether it's its people or whatever, they have not been, there's not enough been said about them. And I've made it recently my mission to just kind of explore the culture, the food and the tie with land over there. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Well, I'm a big fan of Jordan. I've been many, many, many times it and beautiful. it's beautiful and really accessible from here. And some of the most amazing food that I've had there. And I think, you know, coming from Dubai and going to somewhere like Jordan, I imagined it would be the same but it isn't it's very mediterranean i remember sitting i went i went to mount nebo and just dropped down a, friend, a very good friend of mine is jordanian and so he he takes me and my friends on these trips and this beautiful restaurant and it was just full of vines it yes. was on two or three levels and open air but you didn't feel like you were because the vines just wove and weaved through oh. the structure of this old old building and the food just kept coming the freshest most wonderful meats and fish and meza yeah so music to my ear my god I, what can i say yeah a lot of love I'll, there. I'll just tell you honestly honestly it is very mediterranean it's shockingly mediterranean i had no idea how much we share in cuisine yeah. Yeah. And just recently I was in Italy and I was eating um, their food and uh, we're preparing the food together. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this is exactly what we do. You call it different. You chop it slightly different. We add a bit of spices here and there, but that's it. Mm. Well, joining us at table is Mark Evans, who's from the UK, but has traveled and worked in many places in the globe. He is a chef by trade, but he's product development manager for Spinney's. Recently moved here just six months ago, bringing his expertise to the region so it's a real pleasure to have you here have you managed to try i know you've actually been in the middle east before you lived and worked in oman yeah i did a little bit of work in oman uh working on some halal uh, products uh within um the uh armed forces actually uh, interesting uh, which was very interesting as well but uh yeah it's uh 
it's very nice mm, well it's good to have you here and we've been uh, looking at some news stories and Dima you were sharing your story regarding face recognition technology and it's reached potentially reaching the restaurant business as well where they will use face recognition when placing your order uh, it's supposed to cut down on time for you getting your food but it saves you getting up to go and get your food they know who you are and they bring the food to you and Dima was really asking you know is this something we really need and is technology going too far is it possibly making us too rigid well Kevin good morning to you Kevin he's saying face recognition in restaurants no I want to take my time to choose what and when I eat in my own time if it's busy I'll wait I also don't want to be offered something the establishment thinks I want like targeted advertisements I hate them well fair enough good points there made Kevin Look, I totally agree with you, Kevin. I hear you, and I think that we should actually be saying this. Because, look, it's not to be technologically uh, retarded. I am not against science and technology. But I think that when it comes to food, this is the part where we're natural. This is the part where we're still in connection with land, with ourselves as human beings. And I I would like the experience of the reason why I'd go to a restaurant is because I want to order. I want to go through a menu. I want the romance of a restaurant um, atmosphere and experience and that just takes it away there are um, places like a takeout during work hours then okay fine that makes my life easier but I don't want to be known like I, I don't want to I don't want everybody to know where I am I don't want to know where everybody else is I want to sur- be surprised I want to go into a place and find someone I haven't seen in ages and say wow how nice to see you here and I think that these emotions, are we're being robbed of them through all of the technology. Most of the time we're living a fantasy of an imagined scenario um, online, but we are not actually living. And yet, you are, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, because you use uh, technology, the internet, you've got a very successful website, and it's giving us great information, but you take a lot of photographs, there's imagery there, so how do you feel about that? I mean, the people that are going into restaurants, even, you know, just as public and taking photographs, never mind the bloggers and the people that are taking photos and using those images on Instagram and, and the internet. I think... The whole sharing of information is great. I mean, we have advanced so much just because we can share information. We've also stopped a lot of uh, things that were not good for us, like, for instance, um, the use of hormones in food. When we talk about something like this and raise it and raise awareness, this is important. So I think, again, it's all a matter of balance. Technology is good. That's why I told you I'm not against technology. However... Um, there is a reason why I don't post when I'm in restaurants. Like you don't see my Instagram feed about restaurants and there's a reason why my posts are always a latergram. They're never on the spot. I like to enjoy my time. I like to enjoy my company. And when I'm actually out to photograph, I make sure it's labeled as a business dinner. And that's when I'm not after the experience for myself as much as whether I'm promoting or whether I'm finding a gem and that I think is worth mentioning. I usually go back and go take pictures the next day or um, sometimes at work I discover something and I make sure to go back and experience it from a social level that's really good to hear that you're actually putting that much thought and effort into what you are putting out there online rather than many i know are just clicking away and posting without much thought and uh, yeah that's a whole other discussion mark it's a funny point that i've got but it's slightly very relevant in some respects my youngest son started at a school in the uk that was um introducing 
more control over uh, pupils eating and what they were eating. And what they actually did was they introduced uh, payment by thumbprint in the restaurant canteen within the school facility. And uh, the thing was, though, it caused absolute controversy because they put all of the food that the children ate onto a website that the parents could access and see what the children were eating. So it became quite a controversy because people were saying, you had how many cans of this? You had that for lunch? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you come back to the same thing, I think you were going to say, George Orwell, like Big Brother. Mm, you know, exactly. what what level of control are we taking? And did you know? the students know that was happening? Oh, and, of course, and, yes. Yeah, and, but it's still the fact that, hang on a minute, now your parents, I mean, okay, maybe it's good in some ways to know what your children are eating but you can do that by having a relationship with your child hopefully and communicate face to face with your child if it's a way of spying or watching your child from afar that raises and of course they say oh no we weren't doing that and again you can take that in whichever way you feel and i agree with dima that how far do we need to go to control people? Exactly. Know? And, and, and listen, what about childhood? What about that day when we snuck and, and took a candy that we're not supposed to have? And what about that day when we had like the occasional odd food that we're not meant to eat? Look, in the end, food, emotions, humanity, the way we are as people, how we develop emotionally, this is important. We cannot take it all away in the name of technology. Keep technology but keep living. Mm. Keep living. Yeah, it's just made me think. I was staying with friends in the UK and their lovely children and um, midnight feasts. And one, the little girl, uh, Connie, eight years of age, she's got a friend staying up. Well, they were up longer than we were. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they've got, they're under the duvet with all their sweets and food yeah, having and a midnight feast. And you think, God, that's not good, is it? But it's great. They're having fun and it's like fabulous. and Growing uh, and experiencing. Experiencing. And yeah, so I don't know. It, it, it is about, uh, it, it, we... Obviously, on this show, we talk a lot about these things, and it's about awareness, but you've still, like you say, you've got to carry on living, and you've got to enjoy yourselves as well, and too much control. And, you know, apps and technology can be really useful, but when we're constantly looking down at that device, and we're not actually living in the moment and experiencing what's going on, we really have to question ourselves, I think. But what do you, what do you think? Guess the ingredient. Clue number three to our mystery ingredient, Dima. All right. So let's hope this one goes better. <laughs> okay, this ingredient is an excellent source of vitamins, namely vitamin C and K, folic acid and antioxidants, as well as a rich source of minerals like copper, calcium, potassium, iron, magne... Ma- oh, see? <laughs> okay, manganese, <laughs> however you say it, and phosphorus. Food focus. So our food focus this morning, and that's not the... <laughs> I know what that sound is. It's chopping. That's what it is. Yes. Food focus this morning is eggs. The UAE consumes 2 billion eggs a year, according to local news stories information here. Um, so, I don't know, around 60% of the eggs are imported. And, uh, I, you know, the, it's a huge deal. We love our eggs. We have our eggs, I don't know, morning, noon and night. And certainly when it comes to Sahur, it's a big part, you know, for people and for Iftar as well. And we're going to be sharing Dima's recipes in a little while so mark you're from spinnies huge amount of eggs on the shelves and there's a lot of choice so give us a little story about spinnies and their eggs i mean our eggs you know we have our own branded eggs and we have eggs that we get from the uae but our own branded eggs mainly come from ireland and we have a whole area of free range uh, organic corn fed and all of them have got specific criteria and so part of that is that criteria is specific to what we sell it as. 
So calling an egg free range means that the hen is lady, it has daylight access to outdoor pasture, access to a scratchy area inside, it has a designated available perch, feed, water and laying space, and free range has nothing to do with the type of feed it eats. So it's very much about um, how the animal is husbanded and how it is treated, it's a living creature. So this is very important about calling something free range and the criteria we monitor and we take, you know, huge commitment to as a business and, and as people, you know, we eat these products ourselves. That's the thing that we are very passionate about. And, you know, it's such a key thing. So when we talk about these things, about what they're fed, that also affects on when we say corn fed. So that is a, a diet that's high in corn, obviously. So the t traditional feed for a, a free ranger or, or any hen that we sell is maize, wheat, pollard, which is wheat bran soya and sunflower so it's a natural diet a natural diet and you know it all sounds great and and you know it, i think you know, at the end of the day you've got something that's being produced on a large scale and distributed on a large scale so one of our listeners texted in to say i have my own uh, hens and i get two eggs a day syed thank you syed you lucky thing um yeah and to have your own uh, hens in the back garden which is something i used to have in the uk uh, and i know many of our locals have uh, poultry in their garden still in the uae um, but you know you can't get much fresher than that can you stepping outside your back door and uh, there's your hens and laying fresh eggs every day but to to serve and to feed the demand for eggs uh, here in the uae you know that there's a the it's a big job so so free range it's regulated mark so yeah. you know that what you are being given and what you are selling is coming from exactly what they're saying on the packet exactly and and all of our eggs from ireland are flown in every day um they are normally within minimum of two days from when the egg was actually laid they are refrigerated and we chill within store a key thing about controlling life and shelf life and obviously the healthiness of of the product um so yeah it is a it's a key thing about control and you know the way the animal is husband is critical the type of feed and the where the feed comes from the feed is heat treated so it, it avoids any issues with bacteria and also the houses are tested monthly for things like salmonella and cleanse so it's again that control because of the volume but making sure that at the same time the animal and the product is as natural as we can we can be because again like anything we are farming a living creature so we have a responsibility and our customers know that and we we know that so we again want to be able to say this is the reasons why we have specific criteria because we deliver a great tasting product and we all want that at the end of the day so as cooks as people preparing eggs what would you look for and how would you identify what was a, a good quality egg a fresh egg i mean mark how long is it taking from the, the eggs being laid to being put on the shelves of the supermarket uh, and then we take them home it always i always find it interesting that the sort of sell-by date on eggs here in the uae seem very long uh, mm. and that's not a bad thing mm. necessarily it's just interesting that there seems to be a long shelf yeah, life yeah we tend to shelf life they'll be within store within a few days of being laid if they're air freighted uh, and then of course your shelf life's up to 60 days 
Um, but again, because we refrigerate, there's the control of that. Um, and remember, all eggs that are being sold are infertile, so they, they are uh, an ambient product in that sense because some people store them outside, but with this environment and the heat in the UAE, mm. we obviously want to make sure that they're safe. I mean, the way we test an egg uh, is when you think of an egg, you, you think of the egg and the, the yolk, and then within that you've got the, the white, and within that there's a membrane that's attached to the inside of the eggshell. Now, that membrane, when the egg is fresh is tight against the shell so as the egg ages um, it deteriorates and the air pocket gets bigger so the good way to test if an egg is fresh is to put it into a glass of cold water that is higher than the height of the egg and let go and if the egg um, sinks it is fresh because there's less air in there and if it floats it's an older egg, and that doesn't mean it's bad, let's, let's be clear, uh, but it's an older style egg. But also a good tip is, when you've, how many of us have boiled an egg and tried to peel it and it's all stuck together and frustrating, you can't get the shell off? That's actually because it is a fresh egg. Oh. Because the, wow, think about the that. membrane is stuck to the shell, so you can't prise it apart. Okay. If you actually have an older egg and you've done that test... If you boil an older egg, you find often you'll get a lucky egg sometimes. You'll go, oh, the, the shell comes off that really easy. That's because <laughs> it's got the air pocket. So it's a really simple tip. But actually, when you think about it, it's a little bit logical to a point. It's really interesting, isn't it? So just go over that again to check if your egg is fresh. Pop it into water. Cold water. Cold water. It's higher than the egg itself. If it sinks, it's fresher. If it floats, it's older. Dima, what do you consider when you are buying your eggs? I always prefer to go for local. I mean, that's my priority always because I feel that um, being part of this community, you've got you've to actually um, t- give and take. Um, also, the quality happens to be always much better when it's, when it's local. However, I am an organic person. I, I like to go for Do organic. you find that? Do you find that? Organic, organic eggs. Oh, no, but local. I mean, by I uh, find not, it not, at not the organic, just local eggs. I find it at the farmer's market during season. Yeah, um, they're fabulous. Yeah, yeah. They are great. fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're small. But they've come because they, they're natural. And they've literally just come off the farm. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And yes. they're and small holdings, though. That's yeah. not big, yeah. Yeah. you know, producing eggs farms so if you're late that day you won't get eggs yeah but you see where i'm going with this when you're saying buying local what does that really mean because if you're buying local and you need to understand how the eggs are being produced and how the hens are living and and certainly at the farmer's market they're coming off the back of the farmers you know that morning and i ask them and they are completely free range because they're running around and they're they're no i don't have an issue with with that at all i mean it's brilliant from the farmer's market but that's only for you know five months of the year yeah so then after in the supermarkets I ask um, I take whatever is available whatever best is available so like Mark said I'd go for um, the ones um, if local is not available I'd go for ones that are flown in and I'd actually look for free range and organic these are the labels that I care about organic number one not because it's a trend and not because people always say oh organic is trendy and it's fancy no 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 it's for number one environment 100% because I feel we're responsible for the environment we live at and um, number two because of the chemicals I do not wish to take chemicals and hormones and feed it to my children and that is why my choice is and, it, and it's a very very relevant point for us at Spinney's because we actually are part of a program that is within the organic trust and 
to actually be a supplier or be part of the organic trust your actual um, land that the hens are reared on has to have been tested and had no pesticides or artificial fertilizers used for a minimum of two years before you can even start organic mm -hmm. production so it's it's a lot of this is again coming back to husbandry control and putting in the right proper steps mm -hmm. that people understand that people understand and then for us as those people the consumers yep. to be understanding what we're looking at reading and understanding the differences between those labels